1: When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.
2: Good morning, everybody. Wow, ugly uh, ugly weather we're having this week. April showers, right? So let's think positively. Only a man who knows what it's like to be defeated can reach down to the bottom of his soul and come up with every extra ounce of power it takes to win when the match is even. Muhammad Ali, you should know. And then I was just out Mount Vernon, so I thought I'd do a George Washington uh, quote, and it is better to be alone than in bad company. All right, so uh, there we go. Start uh, Saturday morning off. Hope you got a cup of coffee in your hand cuz it's early as I realize. Uh I it, you know we had a seminar a couple of weeks ago and it was uh well attended and a couple of wives gave me a dirty look <laughs> cuz their husbands were getting up early. Uh but at least they made the coffee they said so there we go. Um okay so uh, if you want to get a hold of me or you know we always talk about our best ideas or our dividend growth portfolio or our prime income list and next week I'm going to do an a complete you know, quarter of the show on dividends, because I think dividends are important. All right. So dividend growth and prime income portfolio have had a great track record. And, and I'm going to go over that a little bit. Um, by the way, if you'd like to hook up with me at LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn, too. Uh, everybody tries to hook up with me on Facebook. I go to Facebook every third solar eclipse. So it, that's probably not an idea. LinkedIn, you'll probably have a dialogue with me in no time. Uh, but our top idea list, and I'm starting to think that Europe's bottom, so there we go. And if you'd like our newsletter, I'll talk about that in a second. But if you go to either uh, Google or Bing and type in Tim Hayes Radio, I show up. You can always tell it's me because right under my picture it says, remember, buy low, sell high. And and also, if you go to WHK 1420's webpage, go to local podcast, go down to Tim Hayes, it could take you directly to my uh, webpage, so that's always the easy way you know, my web page has Bob Dickey on it every day. Uh, we have some stuff about data breaches. It's it's good stuff. So, um, and I keep I keep talking about this, but life insurance has come down in cost drastically because of the new actuarial tables. So do you have the old insurance or do you have the new kind of insurance? The old insurance, you pay premiums, you get a death benefit, maybe cash value if you have a, uh, a whole life program. The new ones, you also get a living benefit. You can tap into it to pay long-term care expenses. All right. So if you're doing some spring cleaning, you know, we talked about that in your portfolio. and We talked about that uh, also in your insurance. Get your insurance policies together. Put them together. uh, And then, you know, uh, we can we can do a review of them. All right. And if by the way, if, you know, I I had two people come in and, you know, we reviewed their policies and they were fine. Okay, so there's there's no point in doing anything. Uh, But, you know, sometimes it's good to review things. It's that simple uh and by the way, we review your portfolio for you too and and I have sent people on their way uh if I thought their portfolio was in great shape uh it hasn't been many because i think a lot of uh financial advisors use uh insurance contracts and and mutual funds that uh don't make sense sometimes they're not they're not using the the tools that they're uh, to their advantage let's put it that way. But if you're spring cleaning and you want to, you know, you want to take a look at your laggards or some of your portfolio, uh, we'd be glad to do it on a technical basis and a fundamental basis for you. So, uh, that'd be, let me know. Also, our new newsletter for May is out. It's mergers and acquisitions. What, what's in the deal for you? And how does the Federal Reserve affect the economy? If you don't know that, you shouldn't be in the market or you shouldn't be following your own ideas. That's simple. I keep saying this. I'll say it one more time. Rewriting retirement. I think this is one of the best pieces we've put out. Uh, highly recommend it. Uh, it's about, I don't know, 35 pages. It's, uh, if you're thinking about retiring or you are retired, this is a piece you should, uh, take a look at. Um, uh, you know, we have a wealth, uh, a, a wealth plan and it's interactive. And it's funny. Once my clients get on board with it, what they do is, is they're starting to input stuff and I'm finding out about it later. <laughs> I get an email eventually, you know, you know day later. And and then I go review it and I said, ah, you know, John's done this or or Susan's done this and and it's uh it's it's intriguing because they start to take a hold of their finances. And then they're calling me and saying, "Tim, we you know, I, I want you to know and and we have a discussion." So it's a great thing. So if you'd like to talk about our wealth plan, you know, uh once again, it's 888-223-7742. Once again everybody says Tim you spend a lot of time on equities. Well, I do spend a lot of time on bonds. I don't spend so much time on insurance contracts. I think that's insurance contracts are those gray areas that, you know, here's what you think you need for your uh, retirement and here's what you really have. You know, that gray area is where you come in with insurance contracts. But look, in if you were to put in on 9 on September 7th of of nineteen of uh, two thousand seven. If you would have put a hundred thousand dollars in, you would have had a whopping forty nine eight at the low in two nine. That's not great. <laughs> However, if you would have dumped it at that point and put it in bonds, you'd only have fifty one point seven nine one right now. If you put if you put it I'm sorry if you put it in cash if you put it in bonds you'd have seventy one thousand. If you kept it in the stock market, you'd have 208.921 or a hundred percent gain. So there we go. Um, You know, I talked about a a strategy for fixed income clients with REITs and and also with convertibles and uh, there's been some, I mean, I tell you, you know, the convertible folks that I do business with are probably the best in the business and if we combine uh, a convertible fund and all a convertible fund is is that the bond converts into common stock. They tend to have Lower yields, but they also tend to be uh, much. uh, They they hold up better in down markets, and then we have a market neutral fund with it. Uh, Really, it's a really a good thing. I mean, you you can go go places with it. So, if you'd like to hear more about that, call me. Um, Also, uh, well, let's just start off today. The U.S. national debt is seventy eight percent of the GDP, almost double what it was just before the Great Recession. It will pass the World War II high in as soon as 10 years. Furthermore, an average taxpayer is going to have to fork over more than 2000 this year just to cover their share of the interest or national debt. By the way, the debt rose eightfold under Obama, and uh, that's because of uh, social programs. So, you know, this is the first time in a non-war effort we have debt this high. The total cross-border Chinese cargo carried by rail in 2012 was 54 0.2 million metric tons, with another 64.9 million tons moved by truck. This is a fraction of the comparable U.S. overland trade in that same year where the rail system moved 139 million tons and and trucks moving 177 tons. That's roughly one-fifth, just so you know. The, the rate of U.S. workers and job applicants who tested positive for all drugs, including opiates, cocaine, heroin, and marijuana, hit a 14-year high last year. The study found, based on an analysis of nearly 9 million urine tests, since 2014, marijuana use among the U.S. workforce has increased by 16% to, to 2.3% of workers. Perhaps the most worryingly, marijuana use has increased over 24% since 2014. That's a pretty high number. Um, some people said, uh, Tim, you know, you mentioned fintech last week. And uh, what is fintech? Well, f- it's financial technology is what it is. And look, uh, I think what you're, you're seeing right now um, is, is that there's a lot of money going in to cash. Literally, uh, people are buying or, or looking for places to put their cash because they don't know. And FinTech is the place. If you don't know or moving their cash from place to place using, ca- using their credit card or their phone to make transactions – it's a big thing. If you don't know what fintech is, I'm in three of well, two of the stocks anyway. Uh, I think the two best ones. Uh, and if you don't know what they are, give us a call. Um, look, some people said uh, if you combine one's passion with an investment strategy, you may get some investors excited, but it turned out to be one of the most lucrative approaches in recent years. So why sometimes amassing art or vintage cars, uh, for example, can have some valuable gains. If you have an interest in something, uh, you know, a lot of people use, uh, you know, buying high end alternatives, you know, that type of thing or collectibles or, or looking at diversifying their portfolio. with tangible assets may sound promising, it may only make sense for extremely wealthy. But if you follow something that you love, it's amazing what you can do. Uh, you know, I, I could tell you some stories about uh, some of my clients who, you know, are in, you know, maybe it's not even something they love. They just know. All right. Uh, and they, they work accordingly. Uh, look, we have very low expectations for earnings, and some of them are getting much lower. I mean, Intel got beat up last week, uh, Zyland Inc., so there is some weakness, and they were leaders, by the way, and, and there are some, there is some weakness still in the, in the, uh, semiconductor group. So, uh, but I think there's a lot of expectations that are very, very low, so it'll be interesting to see if, uh, they turn up. The other thing I noticed is financials are very close, uh, you know, the Dorsey Wright system at the three is the number that you have to break across to be become a solid system, a citizen. And, uh, we'll we'll leave it at that. But, uh, I'm, I'm seeing, uh, an email from somebody. Look, I'm, what I'm talking about cash is with the advent of new and innovation, peer to peer transfer technologies, cashless payments platforms are growing pretty rapidly. And there's multiple players that are vying for dominance. Okay. Which it it should be. And those are FinTech. Okay. That's part of FinTech. And, uh, so it's financial technology and I think it'll have a lot to do. Now, a lot to do in the future. Uh, Thursday, I noticed something and I've been talking about, <laughs> I've been wrong both times. I talked about the 10 year treasury going between 2.5 and 3%. I was wrong. It went, went down below 2.5 and it popped right back over 2.5. Now I've also saying that the dollar's been between 94 and 97 and a half now for a year and a half. And it broke out Friday or Thursday. I'm sorry. Uh, triple top, as a matter of fact. Now, usually if the dollar goes up, that is not good for commodities, gold or, uh, you know, oil, steel, that type of thing. It's positive. Uh, and it's not good for uh, multinational companies either, uh, which may be affecting some of it. OK, so uh, there we go. So, look, uh, I think you got a there's a lot of headlines going on now. So don't fear the headlines. All right. Uh, remember. The Wall Street Journal's, uh, edition, the day after Christmas Eve, it was the Christmas Eve Massacre. It was one of the great buying opportunities and most people were scared to death. And we said it on the show. We said it numerous times. You know, don't get too scared. Don't. Now there's also a magazine cover this week. We haven't had a good magazine cover <laughs> in a while. We've had two of them this week. Uh, there, there was the Bank of America, uh, or, uh, uh, Bank of Montreal strategist said fear the markets are overvalued, is holding back investors, uh, and he was right. You know it was holding back investors. But the other one, is Bloomberg Business, it says is inflation dead, and it has a dinosaur laying dead on the on the uh, cover. I think we'll look back uh, three years from now and see that inflation is not dead. We'll stay tuned. We'll be right back to the Smart Investor Show. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And once again, uh, if you have anything you want to get, you can go to WHK 1420 AM. Uh, hit the local podcast. Go down to Tim Hayes, and you can get to my webpage. So anything we talked about, the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list, our best ideas, these things work. <laughs> Trust me, they work big. Uh, so if you're sitting on your hands doing nothing, maybe it's time. Uh, so anyway, I was talk- I was just talking about, uh, you know, fear that the markets are overvalued or holding a lot of people back, which is fantastic. What a contrarian buy signal. Okay. Uh, look, in the first, in the first quarter of the year, the market went up almost 15, 16%. And people took more money out of the stock market in the quarter than they had in the last year and a half. They put it into bonds. Does that make sense? Is that There is nothing, there is nothing more bullish than that, okay? So uh, I was looking at the Dow Jones Industrial Average over the last, like, 10 years, and, you know, we've had a lot of stuff. We had uh, the Dodd-Frank Act crisis back in 2010. We had the credit downgrade. We had the budget sequestering crisis. We had Russia, you know, entered uh, Crimea. Uh, we had the Ebola scare in 2014. We had uh, the debt sovereign debt crisis. We had the Chinese stock market crash back in, in 2015. We had the Trump election, and everybody thought it was going to go. I mean, it was a billion, you know, somebody comes up and buys a billion uh, uh, call options in the futures, uh, not call options, a futures market to go positive. <laughs> we take off. Then we have inflation fears, and we have trade war murmurs, and by the way, we said that in January of 2018, we thought there'd be an, an inflation scare. And I still think, you know, the fact that it's on the cover of Bloomberg uh, Business Week. Business Week was one of the best covers to go against. Uh, the, the the stuff inside the magazine is great, by the way. It's just the, the covers they're trying to sell. And uh, so anyway, but, uh, you know, it was interesting. The um, If you look at the S&P 500 assets percentile rank, it's almost at 98 and people are just stuffing money. I'm we'll gonna talk about the XL, the NDX, and the uh, XLG in the next segment. But look, one of the things that happened this week was, you know, last week was Bernie Sanders came out and said Medicare for all, and then Jennifer Warren jumped on on board and said uh, we're gonna have a single payer, uh, which is socialism. It's just outright so- socialism. So what we got was a not so clean bill of health for healthcare, and um, they're they're. There were some fears of recession out there, but I think uh you know that the three point two percent uh GDP number on Friday stopped all that. but I think we're using they're using health care as a political punching bag, and I think they're going to you know we're you know're they're, they're complaining about the cost, but we're living you know the back in night when they started Social Security, the average male lived till age fifty two they're now living to eighty four. The average female lived till sixty three. They're now living to ninety-three. It might have something to do with the healthcare thing. And I thought it was interesting. Hillary Clinton says she doesn't like new drugs, but her husband took an experimental stroke drug, and it probably saved his life. At two hundred thousand dollars, they gave it to him. She doesn't like drug companies, but look, I I, I think. You know, there, there's some problems. I think, you know, like United Health Group and all the, all the hospital companies and the insurance companies are going to have a problem because they're trying to get rid of Obamacare and they're very, very high on their charts. They're way above their uptrend lines, which is what the stock market was back in January of 2018. So I think they're going to probably have to, you have to be careful with them, but I'm still seeing some things that I like. But this week, healthcare went from number two. Uh, utilities jumped up to number two and then industrials and communication services all the way down to the bottom five. Uh, so they really, I mean, they took a trillion dollars off of healthcare, uh, valuations. Thank you, Bernie. Um, you know, so I, I think, uh, you, you know, you got to be careful and, but I, I think you, you look, you got to control your terror when you see this stuff and, uh, you know, you hear strike one and you're frozen, unable to swing the bat, you know, that type of thing. And I think, you know, by time strike three comes out, you're out and, and you've choked. So I, I think, you know, look, we had the long-term bullish percent for healthcare, which was looking very nice, go all the way back to 30. And if it goes down a little bit further, then we'll have to buy some more of it. Uh, but we've we had some comp- groups go to positive scores to negative scores. Health to biotech went, you know, they were doing quite well. Now they're in the top ten, uh, top five or six for negative scores. Uh, so I think, you know, look, if you look at healthcare, there's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, the good, I'm seeing a lot of, uh, drug stocks that came right to support. Um, I'm seeing some of the, uh, the medical tech stocks and some of the biotech stocks come right to support. However, I'm seeing a lot of the, the hospital companies and the health insurers break, break down pretty bad, actually break their uptrend line. So, it's something to think about, and I, I think you know. Number one, you have to put things in perspective. Uh, don't be afraid to make a mistake if you think you got the right stock, but you know, make sure you're using a um, uh, you know s- s- some kind of exit strategy. You look, uh, I don't think the healthcare stocks are going away. Okay, I think they're really they're probably a better value now than they were two weeks ago. Uh, and if you're in the NBA and you're afraid to take a shot, you're not going to be in the NBA long. Okay. So you got to be able to willing to make a mistake, but make it with high quality. That's all. Okay. So just be prepared. Uh, you know, develop a consistent behavioral pattern with your entire portfolio and work with, uh, with healthcare too. And, you know, if you look at the worst case scenarios, what's, what's going to be the worst? And that's, that's what I look for. So, so monthly momentum for crude, uh, just flipped to the positive And I thought that was interesting simply because. Uh, the dollar broke out and, and usually those two don't work together. Uh, so, you know, crude has been positive for 18 straight weeks momentum. And that's a long time. Usually if you're seven to eight weeks, it's, you know, it's, it's a long time. So I think what we'll do is we'll probably pull back and then the monthly stuff will start to pick up again. and, And I'd be looking at that as an opportunity. What's interesting, um, is that none of the, the oil stocks moved, just oil you know some of the the, ET, the etfs that were oil-based no stocks involved moved no stocks no oil stocks maybe in a, a darko so so what we've had this week is uh oil getting very overbought and the decline of health care and the rise of industrials up until 3m reported and 3m got uh, got killed and so now we have you know uh some problems there now the one area medical, like I said, I liked were, were drugs and, and, and medical tech. They held up well. And technologies, actually, their direction jumped above technology, so it would be interesting to see if that that holds up. Uh, and, and a lot of the momentum portfolios are doing quite well. Now, they're concentrating on a small amount of stocks, so remember that. So, uh, you know, leave, we'll leave it at that. Now, globally, in, global industrials, I noticed, uh, had broken their downtrend line. They've been kind of out to lunch there for a while and that have had – had a great recovery. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Now, look, one thing you got to remember is that next year, a lot of the buybacks are ending. Uh, we've, we've, we're going to lose support of buybacks over the next couple of uh, 12 months. So they could lose some, you know, the U S stocks could lose some major support that they get from buybacks as the deterioration quality of corporate debt start. I mean, people are taking out debt to buy these things. So, so it's not good, but also it may be, uh, a positive in that if we go up without these things, it'd be really good. But, um, there are a lot of shorts that are starting to, uh, show up in some of these names that have just been, um, uh, you know, uh, buying back their own stock. So, uh, now railroad stocks, uh, have led the transports a lot higher and the industrial sector was too. And then they just go whacked with three M's earnings. I mean, all of them got whacked at once. Uh, and then UPS hit him and it was a one, two punch, you know, uh, Muhammad Ali would be proud going back to our comment earlier. Uh, but the railroads have pulled back all to support. So I think they're kind of in really interesting scenario right now. Uh, and I'm also noticing that insurance companies are popping out to new highs. Uh, you know, my, I, I've got a couple favorite ones. Um, and I got a couple that are still in bases that look like they'd be good by. So, uh, by the way, Mark Dwelly, our insurance analyst, is one of the best. I mean, he's really good. Um, and so if you want any information on insurance companies, let us know. But, you know, uh, the, the, the one thing I will say is if you beat expectations right now, you're getting paid. J.P. Morgan kicked butt, went from 105 to, to 114. Uh, if you're not, you got a problem. I mean, Xylan Inc. and Intel. You know, Intel, I think, uh, by the way, might be a buying opportunity because I think, you know, we have a new CEO who was a CFO. So he understands the numbers. So I think what he's doing, is kind of fudging the numbers a little bit and, and making sure that he can rise above it. So he's setting the expectations low to to rise above it, but we'll see what happens. Um, so uh, what else did I see here this week? Oh, gold. Uh, gold versus us dollar has been a strong inverse relationship historically, and gold's kind of backed up. So I don't know if you want to be jumping in there right the moment. Um, and I was looking at some of the five G stocks, uh, and I, you know, I'm I'm seeing a lot of them just pull back slightly now. Uh, one is my favorite, and if it pulled back, I'd be all over it. But, um, you know, they can't go up forever, so they they've been up quite a bit. So, uh, I think what you want to do is be looking at these things, and and you know, if you don't know who they are, well, that's your problem. <laughs> if you're doing business with me, you probably you probably would. So, uh, you know, I was looking at, um, you know a first quarter wrap-up, and, and it was the best start to a year since 1998. Uh, we followed a very volatile quarter, fourth quarter. If you weren't around, you weren't paying attention, you often lost a lot of money. But, um, you know, fixed income's is interesting. And we're wondering if this is the end of the rate cycle, but with a 3.2% increase in GDP on Friday, people are starting to wonder. Now, if you look at that GDP number, one of the problems was was a lack of new orders. So the economy grew, and it might have been an inventory type of scenario, but the, the new orders were terrible. So, I, I guess we, you know, we would suggest that we remain kind of cautiously optimistic on the equity market as we believe a trade deal with China may finally be on the horizon, and that there's a low bar for earnings this season. You know, there's no expectations. When there's no expectations, that's good. When the expectations are too high, just remember the first time you went down at Christmas thinking you were going to get a BB gun or uh, you know whatever it was, and uh, you know you got close. <laughs> totally deflate, deflate you at Christmas. So it's the same way in the stock market. Uh, we did notice that a lot of defensive allocations have been ticking up. Okay, so uh, that's kind of interesting. Now, the NDX, which is a NASDAQ 100, did hit a new high this week. And they said that the SP and some of the other things did. They did not. Okay, we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Uh, and if you'd like to talk to me about your portfolio or your insurance needs or whatever, call me. It's 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or you can always go to my website, Google or Bing, Tim Hayes Radio. And there's all sorts of contact me or email me and several phone numbers too, by the way. So please call. and We'd love to sit down and have a cup of coffee with you, talk about things. Uh, no commitment, just talk about things. So um, at this time of the show, we always talk about the bullish percent, and people try to, I try to describe the bullish percent to them, but I don't think they understand. All it is is a risk monitor. So the higher we go, the more the risk. lower we go, the less the risk. So this chart goes from 0 to 100. It's an old point-and-figure chart that means it's X's and O's. X is simply means that we're the, have the offensive team on the field as we do right now, and when we go into column of O's, we want to be a lot more defensive. Now, there's sometimes like when uh, what we do then is look at the relative strength of equities versus you know the the cash and equities versus uh, you know commodities and bonds. And if equities are the lowest form of life, like they were in 2007 or 2008, or they're low in the scale, we're going to protect more. And right now they're the top gun. OK, so uh, the the sell offs will probably be, uh, you know, less uh, involved on the downside, um, you know, that type of thing. So right now we're at fifty seven and we're down point two percent. We would uh, reverse back down at fifty on the over the counter. We were down three quarters of a percentage point to forty four. Uh, we would reverse back down to thirty eight there and we're down one percentage point on the world index. We're forty at seven. They would reverse down to forty two. So. We basically remained unchanged for the week. Um, you know, so I, I think uh, the one thing that did happen is uh, all the high-low indexes, that's the number of new highs versus new lows, they all reversed down into a column of O's. So we are seeing some distribution. We're going to talk about more about that. Um, there's only two groups that have passed the bogey check. And what's the bogey check? All we're doing is we're checking the relative strength of stocks versus cash or bonds versus cash or commodities versus cash and uh you know basically all they do is they chart them against each other on a on a chart point and figure chart and right now domestic equities and international equities are the only two that pass uh the bogey check so just remember that domestic equities are still number one top votes they're still about 30 ahead of international equities uh commodities are next then uh fixed income then cash and currencies uh but remember commodities fixed income and currencies have all Failed the bogey test. So, uh, what I mean by that is that you want to have if you, if you're going to asset allocate, which some people do, which I I think is great if you're capable of it. I mean, a lot of people got killed last year because they they were asset allocated into international stocks, or they are asset allocated into bonds at the high or at the you know at the beginning of the year got creamed, got out, and then bonds rallied. Uh, so, asset allocation has not worked as great as everybody has. A pound the table on uh, it's it's a delicate process you have to know what you're doing and um, a lot of times uh, people sell at the low um, believe me international equities they probably sold the low in the fall and uh, it, it occurs quite a bit but I just think what you you know what this tells you is that if you're in those sectors your cash position should be higher okay so look when domestic equities were low on the totem pole they, they only had like 23 votes, uh, you know, buy signals, 23 buy signals out of, you know, 5,000 uh, companies. Therefore, your cash position should have been very, very high. And uh, that's the way you had to look at this thing. So now the cash print, uh, percentile rank for international equities is currently 20%, which is a pretty high number. Okay. Back in uh, 2016, it was all the way up to 100% because it was they were totally out of favor. So, but it's still for, you know, a group that's in the green, okay, in a good situation, it's pretty, still pretty high number. So, uh, you you know, you don't want to go hog wild in international equities yet. You want to, you know, poke your toe in the cold water is what I'll probably say. You know, it's kind of how you, you know, jumped into a pool. You know, very few people have jumped into a cold pool right away. Usually they touch it, they go in a little bit, they come back out, oh, that's cold, you know. That's how you should approach international equities as far as I'm concerned at this point. Uh, I did notice that you know most of uh, uh, the emerging markets have kind of stalled. Remember, if the dollar rallies, that's bad for emerging markets, it's bad for China, etc., and the dollar did break out this week. Uh, but the Dow Jones has been positive for three weeks, and so hasn't the, uh, the small cap and the mid cap indexes. Now, the QQQs, the NDXs, and the XLGs have been positive for 17 weeks now. You know, when you get at eight weeks, I get nervous, okay? You know, that's when you want to wait for a pullback. So I, I have a feeling that the large names uh, are, there's there's potential for weakness. <laughs> I'll just say that, hey, I said that last week. Zylinx got whacked. 3M got whacked. They're, they're both in the XLG and the NDX, okay? Uh, now Intel, uh, another big company. And I, I own some Intel. I bought a lo- lot lower. I, I think it's a great company. Uh, I think the guys playing with the games, but the QQQs did hit a new high. Uh, the index hit a new high, but not all the other indexes. So you're hitting a new high with less and less people paying. You know, uh, playing the game. So, like I said, I've always said this on the show. You know, what you want is you want to go into the battlefield with the kings and the knights leading out, but you want the foot soldiers and the archers too, because without them. If they're back at the, the barracks uh, smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee, you got a problem on your hands, okay? And that's what we seem to be having right now. So I, I think you want to be a little bit more cautious. Uh, you know, uh, the fact that it hit a new high is very, very good. But, I mean, look, uh, Pepsi is the 10th largest weighted stock in the QQQ and has a 2.16% allocation, and it's done well. But Xylenix is in there, too, and Xylenix got killed Thursday and Friday. All right, so, uh, and we also had... Uh, uh, a couple other names get beat up. So what uh, you, you just, you know, a lot of these on the overbought oversold area are pretty overbought. All right. And, uh, you know, we're, we're just using regression analysis to figure this out, but when it gets that overbought, you, you, you got to pay attention. Okay. So, I mean, like some of these things, uh, you know, uh, like cadence designs up 65% since the beginning of the year, uh, KLA core, Lulu are 50, uh, uh, Mercalabere, the, uh, the, the Mexican, uh, or the South American, uh, store is, is up like 94%. Uh, you know, and, and Ultra Beauty's up 50%. Uh, you know, we have Workday up 37%, and these are just some of them. You know, Xylonix was up 73%, now up, uh, less than 50. So there we go. Now, I, I, we always talk about the sectors and, and, uh what do we we want to be in the favored sector because your chances of making money in the favored sector are like seven times better than being in an unfavored sector so what you want to be uh, you know you want to be in the best stock in the favorite sector and that's when you'll make the most money sometimes shifting around costs you taxes so you don't want to do that too often but uh if you can start out that way, usually you'll make money on the worst stock in a favored sector you'll probably make more money than the best stock in an unfavored sector. Okay. Cause the money's flowing out of the sector and the ETFs really get to them. But look, here's the problem. As I see it, we started out two weeks ago and we had 20 favored sectors. We're now down to eight. And, uh, so here, what I'm going to talk about is the favored sectors, the most overbought to the most oversold semiconductors and electric utilities are at 70. So that's the, that's the red zone that we talked about, uh, earlier. Waste management is at 65. Automobiles, parts, and autos are at 60. I noticed Ford jumped big Friday. That's a value play. Remember we've been talking about the fight versus value and growth on this show for a pretty long time. And then at 50, we have housing, uh, medical and software. And then at 40, we have transportation and telecom. Uh, and then we don't have anything. So we've gone from 20 favored sectors down to eight. So uh, cautions advised. Um, you know, I, I think we were 56. Now we're 51.95. So it, it's, it's, we're having some things uh, correct fairly quickly. Um, now, I did notice a couple things that both healthcare, care, precious metals, and drugs all went just to average, and oil went to better than average, although I'm not seeing any oil stocks really move. Uh, Apache was involved in that uh automobiles went to favored and semiconductors went to way way favored i don't know if that's going to be the same thing with intel that this information came out thursday china's large cap uh uh etf broke a triple top this week so uh people are putting their money back in china i don't know if that's going to continue with the dollar breaking out we'll see um you know just going to watch things a little bit more closely the Philippines, uh, also I looked at three or four Philippine um different ETFs and all of them look pretty good. So, you know, fixed income this year, uh high yield bonds have been placed to be. You know, high yield bonds are a are a surrogate for stocks. So if you don't want if you if you don't feel comfortable with stocks, high yield bonds is the next best thing. So you know, like if if you have the bullish percent down at twenty two and you're scared to death, buy high yield bonds. Especially if the spread over the 10 year treasury is like 4 or 5 points. I mean if it's 10 points you jump on it with uh, both hands. So but look, after uh, rising sharply during the uh, fourth quarter of 2008 as many of the same fears that caused the equity market itself caused investors to move away from high yield bonds, ultimately that spread peaked in, in the first week of January, at which point it reversed down and is is you know, it's been in a general drown trend since then, but I mean we got up to 540. It's now 420. So You know, those high-yield bonds have have been a great place to be. Uh, Oil has been positive for 18 weeks, started to crack a little bit Friday. We'll see what happens. That's a long time. Uh, Gold's been negative for nine weeks. Uh, Copper's been negative for six weeks. Uh, And coffee continues to its downside. Uh, You know, coffee is uh, broken down almost completely. Uh, You know, broke a double bottom at 90 cents. Uh, So on a two-box chart, that's a lot, you know. It's been cut in half. It was 180 just back in uh, 2017. So uh, there you go. I did notice that the XLG and the NDX are 100% overbought. So uh, those are you know, like I said, we're going up with less and less stocks. We only had 15 new highs the day we hit the new high. Supposedly, as far as stocks moving to a relative strength buy signal, remember relative strength is very important. So what we're trying to do is match the fundamentals with the technicals. Amaris, which is in the biotech area, a little low uh, priced one. Uh, KW Holdings, Qualcomm. You know that was on our prime income list, by the way. That was an absolute home run. Uh, Scorp Tankers, VOC Energy Trust, SRC Energy, uh, Mid States Petroleum, Safehold, and Mustang Bank Bio. On the sell side, these you want to check your your fundamentals. Buckle, Star Surgical, uh, Theravance, Matagrill uh, Pharmaceuticals, Era Group, United Insurance, Altera Biopharm and uh, Gannett and then Tactile Systems. Hey, we'll be right back with more. Stay tuned for the Spartan Investor Show. Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And once again, uh, I want to mention a magazine cover because we haven't had one in a pretty long time that I really liked. Boom, Bloomberg. Easy for me to say on Saturday morning. Bloomberg Business Week. Boy, I spit that one out. I feel like uh, Elmer Fudd. Anyway, is inflation dead? And they have a dinosaur on the cover. Flat, flat as a pancake. Uh my bet is that inflation will pop up sometime in the near future and we'll all be complaining about it and then it'll go away again. So um I did notice a couple things. I I noticed a large fund uh, out of Europe is buying Intel, which are probably down on already, Verizon and Oracle. Okay? Large purchases, large purchases of Intel Oracle, and Verizon. And by the way, they all have something to do with 5G. So, And I also noticed that the CEO, after a 10-point move down, Martin Landis, who's a very bright guy, by the way, he's the, he's the chairman of the board of Crown Castle International, stepped up to the plate and bought $2.2 2 million uh, dollars worth. That was 18,000 shares. He owns 136,000. So uh, of $120 stock, that's a lot. Uh, believe me, that's a lot. Here's a company I've I just started following, and it's a biotech company. It's called Tokogen, and uh, their chief executive officer, uh, Marty Duvall, uh, bought 160,000 shares for 1.44 million dollars, and two other people bought 25,000 shares. Uh, they were the CFO and the chief science officer, uh, to the tune of another 225,000 each. That is not chump change, folks. That's a lot of money. Um, we also had uh, Anaplan, which is a name that uh, we follow fairly closely. And it's a newer issue. So this is interesting uh, because they used their options t- to buy 149,000 shares and they exercised 101 of them. So they bought 48,000 shares and uh, the stock's trading at 48. So that's a good chunk of change. But they already owned 1.4 million shares. So you like seeing. When God, You know, this is a fairly new company, about three, four years into the public trading area. So he's stepping up to the plate after, and he already owns a ton of it. Usually they're selling it at every chance they get, you know. So uh, that's kind of interesting. And here's a low-priced one. It's called Orogenics. Uh, this is a Randall Kirk stock, by the way, and there's some other people that are very smart that own the stock. But Intercoastal Capital. Uh, reported a seven point eight percent passive stake in orgenics as of april twenty fifth so uh that's kind of uh and by the way the last week of march the c e o uh this is like a half a dollar stock, so it's not gonna kill anybody it's it's probably not for widows or orphans either but the the c e o bought sixty six thousand shares and the director bought hundred thousand which isn't much money but um, you know we have a lot of people buying so the more the merrier now, uh, here's something interesting. Glaxo Smith Klein, uh, trading at 39. It's got like a 6.5% dividend, folks. I mean, so it's it's got a nice dividend. They've been doing nothing for a long, long time. And the actual company bought back 5.85 million shares. Like to see when the company starts buying back st- shares after a long period of not doing that. Uh, and then I noticed Corning, uh, you know, which is, is kind of a 5G play, but the CEO. Uh, bought 1.5 million shares. Uh, he, 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 did this through options now. Okay. So he exercised 93,000. He kept 43,000 of it, which is a lot of money. And then I noticed also that, uh, the CFO bought, uh, 7,400 shares. Uh, a VP bought 9,400 shares. And just so you know, that's about $326,000. We had eight VPs. Three of them bought 12,000 shares. So, uh, a lot of them been buying the stock, uh, So multiple buyers and you like seeing that. Now here's something that's really interesting. Uh, And by the way, this stock has been showing up on my machine quite a bit, but it's called pie X international. They're in the tobacco field. uh, And, and I'm not sure if they're into the e-cigarettes or not, but Morgan Stanley reported a 5.1% passive stake in the company this week, which I thought was interesting. And then um, here's something on the, the bad side. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg has had a tendency to sell. Uh, look, I said this, and I sold some stock, and some people got mad at me, but I sold it at 180, and the stock went to 211 very, very quickly. But Mike, Mark Zuckerberg had uh, sold a lot of stock, you know, and he did it again here. He sold 26 million, 26 million, 19 million, 19.3, 19.2, and then Cheryl Sandberg his chief operating officer sold another 9.8 million last week and that this was before the earnings which were pretty good so what what are they thinking about uh and I, I think the uh you know they they put the, put together a 3 billion dollar slush fund in case congress is going to hit them but i bet you it's going to be a lot more than 3 billion dollars so well look um, You know, I was looking over things, and uh, Bob Dickey had a really good piece out this week, and he called the long-term rules. And look, sometimes you get short-term noise and volatility, uh, and they tend to dominate the focus of investors. And uh, it's important to keep the news we hear on a daily basis in perspective with longer-term trends. And what Bob said during his presentation to us is that it didn't matter who was in the White House it didn't matter what you had for breakfast. What mattered was earnings, simply earnings, nothing else, nothing more, nothing less. So if earnings were doing well, the stock market went up. And if earnings were doing poorly, the stock market went down. Now there are factors that determine that. Sometimes the presidential uh, policies determine that. Uh, Sometimes Fed policies determine that, but it came down to earnings. So, you gotta you gotta think short term moves are not as, as important as earnings long term and and uh, he thinks the the bull market bottomed in two thousand nine. Uh I don't really call it a bull market until it breaks out, and some people say that's two thousand thirteen. If you look at the seventeen and thirty four year cycle, it just started in two thousand seventeen. So uh you know, bull markets last sixteen to eighteen years, so it this could be a very interesting period of time. We are in this this place where the averages look potentially more average for the next several months. I think, you know, we're not going to see anything great. Uh, Like I said, I've been saying for about a month now, I think it's going to be sloppy. I think it's going to be, you know, enough to scare people again. I noticed the uh, Association of Individual Investors, American Association of Individual Investors, I'm sorry, uh, the bulls are back down to about 31, 32 percent, which is extremely bullish. But it'll stay that way for a while. That's my opinion. Uh, and I think what you'll see is, uh, you know, we we saw it Friday. We saw it Thursday. Uh, a bit of sloppiness here and there. Uh, you get a 3M, go down 22 bucks. You get uh, Xylenix, go down 15 bucks. uh You know, Intel down 10%, you know, that type of thing. So you'll start to see it. But remember, the long-term rules. So uh, as long as there's earnings and the earnings are getting better, which, it, look, Intel blew the cover off their earnings. And I think what you had was a new CEO who's trying to lower the bar. He did a darn good job of it, unfortunately, but they're only trading 11 times earnings, you know? So, I mean, how, how worried can you get? Now, I had a lot of questions about gold and, and one might think that with all the economic and other concerns in the world today, that there would be a big move in uh, the perceived safety of gold at this point, but the price action of the metal has been weak recently and it's probably, probably because of the dollar breaking out. Okay. And a possibility you could probably even pull back more for the months ahead. So, uh, I don't see, you know, I, like I said, thirteen seventy five. You got to get over that for me to get, you know, uh, jumping up and down about gold. Uh, but you know, we we are in this sideways pattern with this, with the exception of a little bit of the dip that occurred back in. I shouldn't show it a little dip; it was a big dip back in October through uh, December. Uh, but for the most part, it's a sideways pattern beyond that. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, uh, where we go from here and, and and what we go what we do from here. I did notice a couple things, and that is, uh, you know, go, small caps have outperformed so far this year, uh, but they outperformed from a very much a lower level. They got really hammered at the end of the year. So it'll be interesting to see how they do coming up here. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a tough one, but remember, I, I guess the things I would remember for this week would be number one, technology still leads the way, but the NDX and the, and the XLJ. XLG, which are the largest stocks in the NASDAQ and the largest stocks in the S&P 500 are way overbought and they've been positive for 14 weeks. Normally, seven to eight weeks is when I get, you know, I is a normal pattern, you know, for, for an overbought scenario. Uh, and remember that healthcare dropped from number two all the way to the bottom five. So uh, it's amazing what a political knucklehead uh, can do. <laughs> I can say it, I think I can say that on, on the show. I don't know. Uh, RBC might be upset with me, but the point is, is that they make statements and they, they don't know what they're doing. And he, he we took a trillion dollars off of healthcare uh, capitalization in a week. And so I think healthcare is going to be a controversial thing, but I still think there's opportunities there. I just don't think you have, uh, you know, uh, as much of your portfolio as you would have the last couple of years when well, we've made a lot of money on healthcare, by the way, but industrials uh, came in third, so they jumped, and utilities came in second. And utilities really jumped big, and I think that's a safety area, okay? So people are going for safety again. So we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, equal weight still the place to be as far as the uh, S&P 500. Large-cap growth and small-cap growth still the place to be, and then technology, utilities, and industrials is where I'd stay. Uh, right now what I'd be doing um, is I'd be looking at, uh, I think, there's several areas I really like there's software companies out there that have what is known as a subscription model. And I think they're going to get beat up coming up here because nothing stays up forever. And as they do, I think you want to buy some of these, these could be really big stocks. Uh, they were all in that, uh, technology, internet, media, and telecom, uh, conference we had back in uh, November, which we were offering to people for a pretty long time. Also, uh, I would look at the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list. I'm not sending out the bond list right now because I don't see anything. Unless you're buying municipals, if you're buying tax freeze, give us a call because we got, we got a great inventory and tax frees are actually yielding more than, uh, the 10 year and the 30 year treasury. So that's a good, it's a good time to be buying those. Uh, but I don't, uh, you know, I, I'd be looking at dividend growth prime income list. That'd be a great area. I'm looking at them every day. I'm trying to pick out ideas. I've got one idea that looks fantastic, I think. Uh, actually, two that I think look really, really good that are both on the prime income list. Uh, I just just bought it for a lot of people um, and then if you' like our newsletter, you know let us know. Uh, go remember Google Tim Hayes or Bing Tim Hayes radio. get to contact me, email me while you're there, look over Bob Dickey stuff. Uh, look at our 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 cyber stuff, and I think you find it interesting also w h k fourteen twenty a m go to the local podcast Tim Hayes. Go directly to my webpage. You can, uh, if you need a nap, you can listen to my last show. Have a great weekend. This is Tim Hayes. This is the Smart Investor Show. Remember, buy low, sell high.
1: Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, RBCWMFA. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.